Welcome to the Reimagine Podcast, a podcast that seeks to reimagine faith and life in the community as we link, learn, and live together. I'm Greg English, along with Brad Hoffman and Brian Dupuis. Today, on episode 134, we talk about the digital church and the spaces in which people are interacting. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Hey. <laughs> Who's, going? Day. Who's going? Who's yeah, going? Yeah, it's me. Yep, yep. Jump in this new world. That's right. <laughs> this new world. Yeah. That's right. We are going to dive into a good conversation today. I'm looking forward uh, to that, just the learnings of that, but the information about it and the experiences of it. But in the meantime, mm. uh, man, I didn't finish lunch too long ago. <laughs> yes. Good. Good start. Good start. Good start. <laughs> I had a weird, I had a weird combination. I, I had uh, gifts coming in for my my food today. Uh, my wife made a um, a salsa last night for our Mexican meal. Mm, okay. Uh, and what kind of what kind of salsa? The red stuff. Mm, okay. Not a <laughs> tomatillo. You, or, okay, no, okay. So what happens yeah. is you take four big tomatoes. Right. You take two habaneros, yeah. two jalapenos, chop a half onion in half. Yeah. Put it in a pan, broil it till it gets charred on. All sides. Stick it in the uh, blender. Add a little cilantro. Add a little garlic to it. Yeah. And you got it. It's good. You guys don't experience what I experience because when I eat that heat, my head sweats. <laughs> like, mm. I mean, you know, I, I feel that. Like beating up and yeah, beating. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So well, we do yeah. have some moisture. Yeah, you have moisture. Stuff. Yeah. I, I, I do not. It's, like it's a pure. It, For those of you who are just yeah, listening. Yeah. Yeah. You might, you, yeah. you might be crying. I'm sweating. Mine. Like, I mean, it's, you know, yeah. Yeah. that stuff was good, but it was so hot. But the problem with that is like, then it becomes like the wasabi sauce. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. How, how far can I take it? It just yeah. be, it's no longer good. It's just an addiction. How, how can I go? So yeah. today I brought it in for lunch, but then I had another friend bring in a buttermilk pie. So mm. after I was eating mm, okay. the hot salsa, I layered it with three bags of sugar with buttermilk pie. Yeah. That's a good combo. <laughs> Just it's, letting you know. That's a good combo. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's for dinner? I hope you- <laughs> I'm not, not even there yet. So, but, I hope, uh, I hope yeah. you're doing all right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. That's right. So I was yeah, thinking yeah. about you the other day, Brian. It's that about time me? of year. Yeah. You carry, you go to the pumpkin patch and you carry. Yes. So we had the opportunity the other day to take the... Uh, uh, a couple of the, the, the grandkids uh, and family uh, to, we went actually to the Roseland, Roseland Polo Match up mm. there in Charlottesville. Which is cool. It was yeah. great. We took yeah. a big picnic and they yeah. got to look at the horses, play on the field, do all that kind of stuff. That was great. And then we went yeah. and did the pumpkin patch and uh, thought they, about you. I only carried one. But. They didn't do the feats of strength where you have to <laughs> see how many you can carry for 20 bucks? No, it was like yeah. it's $12 a pumpkin. Yeah, they're, oh. they're pricing them individually now. Oh, get out. Oh, you better put your money away, man. Well, I have some sad news to report, actually. It's funny you should bring this up because uh, we were looking at this past weekend uh, going to the pumpkin patch. And Penny said, well, we have to because the next weekend something, next weekend. And so we're like, all right, well, we'll just let the kids know. You know, we're heading off to the pumpkin patch. And we proceeded to tell them, hey, we're thinking of going to the pumpkin patch. And they all looked at us like, yeah, that's okay. Ooh. And, Ooh. and it was like a dagger in Penny's heart. She she stumbles back a little bit, you know, and we asked him again and they're like, no, no, it's fine. Our youngest said, well, we could just buy a pumpkin from Kroger. That, that'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, now, wait a minute. This is <laughs> not only do we have a picture of them every year, you know, at the old measuring yeah, stick yeah. there. Tradition. Yeah. Yes. But 
the feats of strength. Like yeah. this is the time of year where I look at you, look at me with awe and wonder as I carry thirteen pumpkins and uh, yeah. for, handle eighty twenty bucks. No, they're, they're not interested in, in uh, yeah, doing right. something like that. So. It's one hundred seventy three now. If you got thirteen, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, don't hey, don't criticize your blessing. kid. Go home and thank him. Yeah, it's <laughs> a blessing. I'll stop at Kroger. But apparently, that tradition is over. Yeah, uh, there was no warning or heads up. It was just. They all just decided individually. Wow. They're done. And we were we were so hurt by it that you know, we didn't even think to pull out the guilt and <laughs> and make sure that we went. <laughs> we just had to you know recollect ourselves. Yeah. Oh, it was it was terrible. So anyway, that's the end. That's the and end. And you of ended that. what was your highest number? Uh I think I had fifteen one year. Wow. Yeah. My kids disagree, but I, I think it was fifteen. Yeah. It was it was pretty close. Yeah. There were a lot uh, of small nice. ones. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. That's it. So if anyone else, you know, is listening and they want us to tag along, we'd be happy to go with them to the pumpkin patch. <laughs> I can carry some pumpkins. Uh, you pay and he'll carry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You pay, yeah. but I'll, yeah. I'll carry. So yeah. anyway, take them along. It. Take them along with you. You haven't been yet. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. we're not going. We will do apples. Oh, so yeah. we yeah. do apples this weekend. Actually, mm. so oh, Saturday yeah. we'll be early morning. Leave the house seven thirty. Head there for a nine o'clock appointment. So ain't it yeah. crazy? You have to have a ticket to get to an apple orchard now. I mean, the crowds are that big. Well, you know, yeah. I, they're going to pick and see. You know, I bring my son laws too. I mean, everybody gets. Yeah, sure, so, sure. So I have quit carrying the uh, the crate up the mountain. So I've yeah. got plenty capable individuals Helpers. in my group that can carry it for me. Yeah. But um, the best part are the um, donuts. donuts. Donuts, man. Yeah. I bought, so, I bought and they're even the better kids. in the morning. So, like at nine o'clock when you show up there, that's like prime yeah. time. Yeah, they're for hot. Apple donuts. Yeah, so, apple yeah. donuts yeah. are hot. Yep, I bought yeah. them the other day too. Yeah, they thought it was about them, but it was about me getting those. Donuts, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, that's key. All those good. See, yep, yep. There we well, go. Good. Well, see, Hopefully, in my, in my in my metaverse, I'll create a uh, apple orchard and I'll create yeah. a, a pumpkin, pumpkin patch, patch that my children want to go to. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Yeah, no that's bees. That's my segue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do that every time. Wow. We all have a role. I wish there was a place. I wish, I wish there, there was there a place. Was a place. <laughs> well, we are going to talk about the metaverse yeah, eventually. I know we are. I know, but uh, let's welcome in uh, Chesley Lundy today. He is a leading voice uh, in the digital church strategy conversation. He is the host of Chesley Lundy Experience Podcast, and he's highly regarded as a speaker, writer, and consultant, helping leaders and churches reach more people in an age of disruption. So, Chesley, welcome to the Reimagine Podcast. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Good. good. Glad, yeah. you're, glad you're with us. It was, uh, I, I was just thinking about the fact that uh, how sad you really are going to be when your kids ask for money to buy the virtual pumpkin. Uh. <laughs> Is it cheaper than the real pumpkin? Yeah, probably not, buddy. Probably not. It's like an Audible right. book. They said it was, do you remember when Audible and Kindle books were like half the price of a real book? And they're like, oh, it's always going to be cheaper. And now you get on there. It's like, no, no yeah, not no. cheaper at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And now like they're all read by, you know, the guy who plays Gollum on Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. So, yeah. You're paying yes. for the talent yes. now. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. uh, being in Arizona, what's the fall fest activities? Well, you know, what's funny is I don't live in Arizona anymore. Oh, wow. Since we uh, got on here. Yeah, I moved to Akron, Ohio. So, oh, and everybody looks the Arizona like of the stupid East. after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, my kids think it's winter. They think yeah. it's winter right now. And yeah. I'm like, man, they are in for a rude awakening. Yeah. So, so I've been to uh, Canton uh, a lot of times for just some work things. And so I kind of know the area. You Fairly mean well. the uh, National Football Hall of Fame at work? 
Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, Being in yeah. the sports ministry for years, I had to go there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, that's a good area up there. Uh, yeah. yeah, enjoy the snow and the rain. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. thank you. Uh, well, as we get started today, can you just tell us a little bit about your story, your journey, and what brought you to where you are now? Yeah, um, grew up in the church. My uh, dad was a pastor. My grandparents were pastors and missionaries. So always been in the in the space, except for a small stint in college and in the military, where I said no to God, but God didn't say no to me, and uh, uh, which was great. So I ended up coming back and um, had this really beautiful desire to plant churches and to make disciples in urban settings. And ended up in Omaha, Nebraska, um, replanting a church, actually, instead of planting. And while I was there, uh, we decided to be a part of a ministry in the urban core. And Omaha is a beautiful city, but there's a, there's a road that separates the ghetto from all the wonderful attractions that Omaha has. And we decided to live on the wrong side of the road <laughs> and uh, hang out with uh, Somalian refugees and the African-American community, very segregated uh, city there. And um, and then yet I also had a heart for uh, um, urban entrepreneurs and young professionals. Mm. And as I was planting the, or replanting the church, getting ready to relaunch it, what we found is we would have wonderful conversations, great community with these people. And they wanted to be with us. But when we asked them to be a part of our church, they just wouldn't do it. And uh, we couldn't quite figure it out. I was sitting um, with a group of pastors of my denomination, and uh, they were trying to figure out how to reach millennials, which I was 31 at the time. And um, I was the youngest lead pastor by like 25 to 30 years. Mm. And they talked for about 45 uh, minutes, how to reach my generation without asking. And <laughs> they finally turned to me and, uh, said, what do you think? And so I told him my dilemma, like, uh, I am having a very difficult time getting these guys into the church. And the thing that I keep thinking about is what if the church doesn't have a building? And, uh, I got laughed out of the room. That was 2016. And then I transitioned as to a young adult pastor in a larger church in Phoenix, Arizona. And I began to play around with digital technology, social media, and actually private digital communities uh, with teenagers and young adults. And um, I had a young lady sitting on my couch in my house. I could tell she was visible. Something was visibly wrong. And I said, hey, do you want to talk about it? And she said, no. I said, would you be willing to DM me on our app? And she did. And when she did, she opened up and told me things I didn't even want to know as a pastor. Mm -hmm. And um, it was that aha moment. It was like, we're doing church wrong for the next generation. And we got to figure out what to do. Well, this little thing uh, happened a couple months later called COVID and uh, shut the world down. And we did fine. We did fine because we were doing digital ministry, but digital ministry looked very different than in church. It was a digital community mm. and it wasn't Facebook. It was actually building community and secure attachment and, uh, and a safe space for people with a, with our own digital platform. 
And it worked. And so I started thinking about, well, I'm not crazy. Church without a building will actually work. You could build an entire digital infrastructure online for churches. And so I decided to go down the road of digital church planting. And along the way, I realized I'm not planting a church. I'm planting a network of missionaries where they live, work, learn, or play. And some of them play on Twitch. Some of them play in video games. Some of them want to be business as mission guys. Some of them like the micro church model. Some of them love to be a missionary in brick and mortar churches. And um, and so we want to help all of them. That's what we've been doing. And I've been teaching them how to do digital ministry ever since. Yeah, it's a good story. It is good. Yeah, I love what you said about uh, being able to reach people in a digital space and, and then, you know, seeing them set free to be the church wherever they are, you know. Yeah. And so it's not, they, they don't even have built in like this idea of I come to this space, this building, you know, to do church. Uh, it's, it's, I am the church I'm part of connected to this group of people and uh, how I live that out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. In terms of technology, I mean, is that something that you've always, you've gravitated towards or you had to learn about it? I mean, you just kind of, you got into this and of course you got to stay on top of it. Is that a natural inclination for you? Um. No, <laughs> I I know enough code to be dangerous, like break things, yeah. um, because I really don't know how to do it. I think I do. <laughs> um, I um, I'm 36, so I'm on the uh, I'm on the older end of a digital age. So I I consider myself a translator, a bridge mm. between a pre digital time and a digital time. Like my kids, they will never know. Uh, uh, they'll never know an age without digital technology being front and center. Right. They think it's weird when I hold my phone up to my ear to have a conversation. That's not <laughs> how you do phone. You do it like Star Trek where you're looking at the person, right? Yeah. So yeah. they make fun of me for even saying Star Trek in this reference. But, um, you know, I think um, I think I've learned enough. I'm an avid reader. Um, I see things that are coming down the pipeline. I, I love innovation. Mm-hmm. And so being a student of innovation with uh, uh, innovation theory from Harvard Business School with uh, Clayton Christensen, he's also what got what he calls jobs theory that really creates this uh, this framework to be able to say, what are we doing? What are the trends and patterns that are happening now that's going to cause us to move in a direction? And I think oh, over the last 15 years, 20 years, social media has really um, shifted everything we know about uh, about the way to market, the way to sell, the way to be a community. And actually, social, social media is reverting back to entertainment. So they'll become the TV of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not actually doing the things that they created by creating software as platforms. Wow, wonderful. Siri just thought I was talking to her. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you know, guest. you have soft. Yes, right. Always, to always. <laughs> Actually, that's why I like Apple because they're not always an unseen guest. Yeah, uh, but uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I've learned over the years. Yeah, I'm. I would consider myself uh, as an innovator, early adopter, really trying to push the edge. And I have a love for the church. I've also been deeply wounded and hurt by the church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's because I'm an innovator and I would love to, uh, not to be on the tail end of innovation this time to, but, but to be in the front end 
And I think COVID gave us an opportunity to do that. Yeah. It's interesting that when we have these conversations and you talk to people at different demographics, like I'm in the Atari age, I think you're probably like PlayStation <laughs> 2. Brian would be like ColecoVision maybe or Nintendo, yeah. you know. Okay. Bro, you, we're talking this like, so I am the oldest millennial you'll ever meet in your entire life. Uh, my parents took me from Tulsa, Oklahoma when I was six years old. Uh, you know, it's a city of about a million to literally the pavement stopped and we live three miles inland. Yeah. And um, I, uh, I am the only millennial I know that grew up with a party line. Uh, uh, and most people won't even know what that is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, we had uh, Commodore 64, 128, yep, the Atari. Yep, yeah. My dad was a gamer junkie, uh, regular Nintendo, Super Nintendo. I've had every gaming system up until Xbox. I don't buy Xbox. I only buy PlayStation. And even that, I'm like, we got an Oculus now. So, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. That's right. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about the digital spaces, um, you know, it's kind of three areas. And I think sometimes maybe vocabulary, when, when we talk about digital, we talk about it online, it's people have a thought mm-hmm. of what it is, but there's kind of like three spaces out there. Can you kind of speak into digital, digital and metaverse? How would you explain that? Yeah, so the um, right now, metaverse is virtual reality. You put a headset on, you go into a new space, it's still uh there's still a lot of novelty around it, but the infrastructure is being built to where it will move into augmented reality. And when that happens, uh, the metaverse will be everywhere. It will be the Internet. Um, you also have blockchain technology that's attached to it. So privacy, um, you, you'll have new organizations that come out that don't have a hierarchy uh, because of the blockchain and Obviously, you're seeing the currency battle wage in uh, in our spaces. But the fact that blockchain is a part of the metaverse uh, infrastructure environment, it's called Web3, really, is what the technical term is. That is going to shift the way we live our lives completely. We just don't know it yet. And some people won't ever have to worry about it, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. <laughs> Um, but you know, I will, as I get older and my kids definitely will, it will be the world that they grow up and live in. They'll remember a time where we had dollars and they'll also remember the time that we shifted away from them. Mm. Um, web two is, uh, digital, digital spaces. Um, I see if we're talking about church as a whole, I see church online, which is broadcasting your services. And then I see digital church, which is how do you build a faith community online? And those two things are uh, have some convergence in some areas. They also are different in other areas because one's trying to build the entire infrastructure online. The other one is using it as a marketing technique to get somebody into our building. Um, and then or like, hey, you don't have access to the service, so you can have you can you can watch that. But they're, they haven't really thought through engagement yet. Uh, I think they'll backdoor uh, over the next five to 10 years into digital ministry. I think we're going to we're saying digital ministry right now. I think in five years, 10 years, it'll just be ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, digital is this blending. It's like augmented reality for digital ministry. So what we're talking about digital, it just means the combination of physical relationships with digital relationships and how do you do that well 
So those are the three with subsections in between. You Did ready? I just open up a can <laughs> of worms? No, no. Like, I got so many thoughts going this way. I, I want right? to yield the floor to see. <laughs> All I'm thinking about is that salsa. Yeah, like, yeah that's that right. Salsa, you need a can and like brand it, and you guys can sell it for I, your every like all five guests that listen to the podcast. I, I know. I did. I did can a can for my son. So we'll see. There um, you go, man. Yeah. Uh, Get so a what, revenue stream going, man. That's right. Uh, what's what's the what do you hear the most where churches are in that thinking process? Is there why they don't participate or I don't know how to participate? What's the conversation with with where churches are today? We've been in this long enough that I would think there's got to be a sense we've got to be moving in that. What's the hold up per se? Yeah, so there is. Um, I'm going to talk uh, theoretical models just for a second, bore everybody to tears so they turn it off. But <laughs> there's this thing called the diffusion of innovation. And you got innovators, early adopters, uh, early majority, late majority, late adopters, and what they call laggards. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the majority of our people are on the late adoption laggard side of the equation to the point um, in. in there's nothing wrong with that. Like there, I'm not, there's no morality that is connected to any of these spaces. I think the Holy spirit knew what they were doing, knew what uh, uh, God was doing when he gave the gifts to the church, the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, because what you see is you see a continuous, even in those gifts, um, the innovation curve, the, the evangelist apostle is always on the front end. The, Prophet is always on the front end. The pastor teacher is always on the back end, caring and helping people move. And you need all of the gifts pushing people into into progression because the world is going to be there, is going to move forward. We need to care for people along the way. And so, unfortunately, I do see that the majority of our church is uh, is on the back half of innovation. And I say only unfortunate because there are a few times throughout history that uh, disruption occurs and it changes everything. And you don't get the luxury of, uh, of being on the back half of the innovative curve. Uh, Most of the time, that is not the truth. My side of the innovation curve as an innovator is what most people don't need. 97% of the time. They need, most of the time, they need stability, they need uh, comfort, they need care, so that they can be taking, they can mature without a bunch of trauma (laughs) in in the process. And so I don't think it's wrong to be a laggard. I think we just live in a section of time right now that um, it's just not helpful at the moment. And so when that happens and you got these two opposing worldviews of we need to change right now to we know we don't need to change. We need to hold tradition and hold the line. Um, There becomes a schism if we don't love each other and don't serve each other well. And oftentimes that happens. But that's where I get to the next theory, which is called the theory of innovation and the next model. You see uh, the prevailing model, which is what we know as Sunday morning church service, building centric, physical that has been going definitely doing well for, you know, thousands of years, uh, 1700 years. <laughs> um, we just live in a shift now, what I call the third reformation that is now beginning to go on the upswing with digital technology. Uh, I call it the uh, digital reformation. 
um, to where it will become it's undercutting and giving more access and power to people beneath that didn't have access in the previous iteration. And so we're seeing that convergence right now of the old model declining, the prevailing model declining and the new model emerging. And we're right in that messy middle. Mm. And so most people feel the weight of that because there is no path, clear path forward at the moment. There is, we were back here and now we're trying to go back to do, now that COVID's over, we're going back to doing what we know to do. And we're working twice as hard for half the results. So obviously the thing's not working, but we don't know what we should do next. And so my goal is to help navigate people through that mm. using some of the innovation techniques that uh, Chris, uh, Christensen at Harvard Business School talks about. Also, like, man, unleash the power of the spiritual gifts in your community. The answers are there. You know, you know your context better than I do. And the people sitting in the pews are waiting to participate. In fact, actually, one of the reasons why we're losing is because uh, in the digital age, you don't have to ask for permission to participate. You do. And uh, if you try to bottle that back, uh, they'll just leave and they'll do it anyway. And so we have to give people a platform to help equip them for ministry, just like we're called to do as uh, pastors and church leaders. And so that's my goal is to help churches do that. Mm-hmm. So you talked about a discipleship path. You're developing communities. You're developing a network. Yeah. Um, what what is that? What does that movement look like? Or how how do how does that become a shared true community in the digital space when you're looking at a discipleship uh, path or model? Yeah. So. Um, as a good church planter, if you have eyes, plagiarize, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean that for real, but uh, I do mean uh, adopting um, uh, models that have already seen traction because as a church planter, you just don't have the time. Um, and so I I think, though, having a very clear discipleship process with these programs that are already available, like Alpha and Rooted, so taking the macro model of the Ingalls scale, and for those people that are listening that don't know what the Ingalls scale is, it's these series of decisions that people have to make to have an awareness of Jesus and then become a fully fledged Jesus follower. Well, these decisions along the way, and Ingle, the guy that created it, said there's about eight. There are environments and programs that have content have content that are packaged in such a way that create an environment with other people that will allow you to go through the the eight steps. And so I say, well, find those programs, place them on the Ingle scale, use that as the process to say, our goal is to help you transform into the likeness of Jesus so that you can have a fulfilled life. It's not just finding God. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I, my theology says God finds us, but Um, but the truth is, uh, we are always in the journey of transformation. We at church like to call it sanctification, but our goal is to have a fulfilled life. Well, Jesus said, I came to, I came for you to have life and have it to the fullest. And what that means is I'm going to take you from where you are now to where I want you to go. And in the process, you'll get peace, you'll get joy, you'll get fulfillment. Well, we have the opportunity to help these these people do that through experiences that we host and we curate 
And, you know, some of us have the resources to design ourselves. Um, church planters don't. They don't have that luxury, but our prevailing model churches do. And what we've done is we've relegated Sunday morning as our primary product. But in the digital age, it's actually the transformation process, the discipleship process that is the primary product. And so every church leader uh, needs to really hone in on that being the number one focus of the church. And through that, people will connect with each other. And then they'll want to build community around that. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of a uh, uh, an up and coming, you know, podcaster called Dave Ramsey. Have you heard of him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah somewhere yeah. around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, he's got these seven baby steps to financial peace. That's what I'm talking about. Mm. Yeah. He hasn't done anything different for the last 30 years. It gets on a podcast every day. It's a radio show. It's not a podcast, but it's basically the same thing. And for three hours, he gives you content. What the church has done is made content king. No, community is king. Content is currency in the digital age. Community is king. Content is currency. We spend the currency to build relationship uh, with these people to build community. And the community is not even the end goal. It's community on mission that's the end goal it's both together always in beautiful tension with each other and so we can do that on a digital space um naturally because i mean we talked about atari these guys know community and they're already on mission together <laughs> because they're uh, call of duty you know yeah, yeah. uh Jam and earl if you like sega genesis like it was always a mission attached to the community now we can do that in physical and digital spaces. We can do that in virtual reality. And now we can attach a mission to the mission, which is building relationships, help them transform, and always move people through the transform, uh, transformation journey. You know, Dave Ramsey has the seven baby steps, but he's got Financial Peace University. You know what happens out of that? 30% of people that come out of that want to actually help other people go through that. Mm-hmm. That's small groups. Dave Ramsey's model is the model for church in the digital age. Hmm. It just happens to have community on the back on the bottom of it. And you can use a white labeled platform. Don't use, don't ever build community on rented space like Facebook and TikTok and stuff. Cause that doesn't work. Yeah. Do it on a, on a white labeled space. Like we have like Carrie Newhoff has hmm. where we met each other yeah. and do it there. That's the best place you get to, you get to keep track with, with people you get to care for people at scale. You get to love at scale. That's what digital community is about. And along the way, teaching them how to obey everything that Jesus commanded them. That's your transformation process. So do you have, uh, I'm sure you do. I mean, in talking with churches and coaching with churches, you do a lot of that. Do you, uh, yeah. I mean, what, what are some like really practical examples of ways that this is happening? Um, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Dave Ramsey. I think that's a great one, but where do you see churches engaging in this? And what does that what does that look like? Well, there's all different types. I think I think the prevailing model, like many are still afraid of jumping there because they don't see that they, they don't understand the economics behind it yet. And um, because we're so Sunday centric in the physical model, and I say this as somebody that still goes to a physical church. So I have my foot in micro church, digital church, and the the mega church. Mm-hmm. And yet those resources, I don't care if you're small or large, it takes up 99% of your resources. And so um, pastors are trying to 
figure out the economic model. And I, I feel for them because they are smack dab in the innovators dilemma, which is how do I serve the people that are paying for this model of church? Like we're trying to steward their resources as well to give them what they need uh, because they'll never move into the new paradigm. And yet if we don't move into the new paradigm, we might not be around in 10 to 15 years. That's a, that's a hard struggle. And so um, I'm working with some churches building what's called Skunk Works, which is uh, a group of uh, of highly energetic leaders that have a love for innovation and new things within the existing structure. You you say, hey, you're a part of us. We love you. You're members. We're going to give you a budget and we're going to give you a time frame and we're going to allow you to go experiment and try something new. And we're not going to give you the rules that we we abide by. So all the paradigm, they don't have to come to a building. They don't have to do any of that. So I think Skunk Works, Lockheed Martin used that term as a team um, that was trying that came up with the U two bomber, um, and this was outside of World War II. Really interesting story. So I think that's one way. Um, I see a lot of digital church planters that are saying, "Hey, my my church doesn't want me to do it, but I'm doing it anyways because." It's my Saturday night. It's not Sunday. So they do. Um, and they go online. I think of, uh, now Mark didn't do this, but Mark Lutz with Lux Church on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot of digital missionaries that are pastors that are building community that are just sharing, uh, reading scripture on Twitch. Another guy, uh, he's a uh, flat cap dapper pastor on Twitch. Uh, he's the friend of mine. <laughs> he wears a cl- fl- Flat cap. And uh, we call him flat cap. He's amazing. And he's got a whole community built around what he does. He he does basically the same model. Get on Twitch, talk for three hours, have a community on the back end. That is the model. And then have a discipleship process you take them to. Jay Earhart, he uh, runs Love Clan on Twitch. Um, uh, Pursuit Live Church on Facebook. Uh Parts like his on Facebook. Those are churches that have used the Facebook platform to build community and start churches. There's a measure of Zoom like we're doing right now uh, that people are using uh, multimedia technology to do this. They will use broadcasting. Um, Like they'll use every once in a while, they'll have a webinar. Um, There are are opportunities with software uh, that people can use all over the place. Software is not the problem here. It's getting people wrapped around a new paradigm and we can help figure out what software is best for you in a geographically bound set, which is what the church local churches are. um, The goal is to be everything for everyone so that they can all come and build community together online. You don't get that luxury. You have to figure out who your audience is. Who's your primary audience. So is it a barbecue um, aficionado on, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, maybe uh, there, we have a guy, barbecue church uh, assemblies of God, basically barbecue Ch- assemblies of God. He's on Facebook. He starts with barbecue. And this is beautiful because the algorithms don't uh, get him in front of Christians. It gets him in front of barbecue enthusiasts. And so many of them who are not Christians come in. And then they learn about Jesus through the community and they become Jesus followers as they're learning the best rub for the steak. And I can't think of a better church uh, than barbecue and Jesus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it, 
you talked. You mentioned a couple of things in there, but I want to go back to you. You talked about um, community is king and content is currency, but yet content currency, yes. content does play a role in how people engage yes, or, or, or participate. Uh, you know, in that. So, what implications does that have, and how do you decide what content is? Um, depending on when you're online, who's your primary audience? Who's your, I call it your person of peace, your digital person of peace. So Luke 10, Jesus tells, uh, the 72 splits them up two by two and says, go door to door and, uh, extend your peace. If your person comes back and uh, gives the peace back and rests on them, like you need to stay at that house. Um, we're missiologists at heart in the digital space. So we're finding, um, who's the, who's the person that, God has wired me and gifted me and just seems to be drawn to me mm-hmm. in these spaces. And so I build a profile and I start praying over it. I, I'm a marketer at heart too. So um, uh, we call it the target market avatar. But the reality is from a, as a Jesus follower, I'm looking at somebody that God wants me to reach online. And then I, I ask, uh, what is he dealing with? Like what, what are the struggles that he or she is dealing with on a daily basis? And I start targeting my content around those problems they're facing, those felt needs. Then um, I am looking for where do those people hang out? Uh, Not all digital platforms are created equal. I know LinkedIn is for business professionals. TikTok is for Gen Zers. Snapchat is Gen Z and younger millennials. Instagram is younger millennials. Uh, Facebook is for everybody else, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then there, there are uh, these other digital platforms that are alive that, that are going and kicking that are way less uh, populated. And when I say way less populated still has 45 million people on these, uh, these platforms like medium is a blog, po- blog posting digital community. Um, if you're trying to reach somebody that would be good there, that's your community. You don't have to go to 15. You don't have to try to post on all of them. Find your person of peace, figure out what they're struggling with, build content based on what they're struggling with, invite them not into a relationship, but into a solution to their problem, which just so happens to be a transformation process, which just so happens to be discipleship where, you know, they will find Jesus along the way. They're getting information, they're getting relationship, and they're applying it to their everyday life, which is experience. And those three things are the triad for transformation, information, relationship, and experience together. And you can do that online, sometimes even better than you can do it in person, because online gives us enough anonymity to be able to share exactly what's going on in my heart and be authentic and genuine, where if I was sitting in front of you in a building, I would not tell you What's going on in the darkest, deepest crevices of my heart? We just, we don't love each other like that yet. But online, we don't have that. We don't have it. Why do you think that is? That we'll do it online. Fear. There's a, there's a fear. Barrier. If, yeah, I can, um, I can turn the screen off and I never have to deal with you again. If you're 25,000 miles away, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if you're right next to me and I have to see you, or if I bump into you at Walmart, there's a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety with going, you know what? I struggle with porn. Mm. You, you know, I, I was in a Bible school and I had a couple of friends that felt led by the Holy spirit to confess their sin. And instead of dealing with the problem and going way to go, thank you. Let's bear that burden together. 
They expelled them. Mm. Wait, we just set a precedent that we'll never deal with that. In, in church world, I guarantee you there's tons of pastors dealing with sin that are not talking about it because they're afraid. I'll lose my livelihood in the economics. There's a lot of people that are like, I won't be seen as a legit part of this community. I'll be quarantined and isolated when what I really need is a friend. And digital spaces, you don't have it. You just don't have it. And most of those people are dealing with uh, uh, dealing with church trauma by being, you know, by having that done to them. So they come to these spaces and, well, these people will love me. These people won't judge me. And that's mostly true. I've heard you talk before about, was it the mirage of community or, or something about uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. gathering? We, yeah. we thought there was community happening when we gathered together yeah. in spaces. And um, so that is not my, my concept. That yeah. is Carrie, Melissa Jones. She wrote building brand community. She's a friend. She's amazing. Um, but they call them mirage communities where we have everything set up like it is a community, but we actually don't do the deep dive of love and it's secure attachment that is needed where I can open up my heart to you and you can open up your heart to me and we belong to each other. That actually is easier done on digital spaces than it is physical spaces because we don't know how to do it on physical spaces. Mm. And we have enough anonymity to learn how to do it in digital spaces. And so what ends up happening is we've created this place where, uh, you know, and I'm a pastor and I love to preach. So what I'm about to say, it might get me in trouble. I don't mean for it to do, <laughs> but, uh, when you're on the stage and you're spouting off your opinion about a book, well, one that doesn't work in a digital, uh, in a digital age, because it's all about dialogue and community, not about monologue, mm. but then we are in a, a vicinity together. So we think vicinity means community and it, it's absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, proximity does not equal community. It equals proximity, <laughs> you know, community is uh, where I literally get to know who you are. You are not no longer an other to me. We belong to each other. I love you and I'm responsible for you. You love me and are responsible for me. And when I say responsible, responsible for each other's flourishing. To me, that looks a lot more like Jesus. And I think churches want that. They desire that. They just they have to feed the beast that comes every Sunday. And so they don't have to, they don't put the the resources to scaling community because in a physical space, it's actually a lot harder and it's not really scalable. Uh, we try to do that with, uh, with small groups, but what we've learned is uh, as a church staff, we have to become leadership developers, not event throwers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You talk uh well the concept that's out there now is this idea of location independence. People get to work where they yeah, want to yeah. live, you know, and it really doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go and one of the questions I'm going to ask is how do you foster that location independence, but it it's going back to that person of peace, it's going back to that target audience. Is that correct in that when you're mm-hmm. looking at these people who are moving in and around your community that are location independence from everything? Yeah, I think I think a digital platform that allows uh, geographically bound sets to uh, have as much engagement with people that are not geographically bound um, truckers, um, highly mobile, successful CEOs, um, uh, young professionals that are now hanging out in Europe, which I got a couple friends that are doing right mm-hmm. because they can, they can work from their laptop. 
um, what ends up the what the glue ends up becoming is not the building, which is what it used to be, but it becomes the digital platform where I can hang out with you for uh, asynchronously for 167 hours out of the week. We flip the model now. And so we're always worried about the 167 hours because we know the dirty little secret about preaching. They never remember what you say. They only remember what they felt about what you said. And Mm -hmm. if they're not even in a building to feel, now we have a real problem. (laughs) And so now it allows us to go, how do we connect with each other? Even if you're not around me, it's not about spectating. It's about relating. And we get to do that if we have a digital platform. So you can throw up a devotion and start a, uh, have a question, start a conversation around it. And everybody gets to chime in and you get to respond. It's love at scale. That's the beauty of digital platforms and location independence. Uh, I think uh, the challenges at that become time zones and language, mm. not miles away from the building. 